Hello and welcome to Knowing Nature, the podcast all about exploring and engaging with the natural world. I'm your host, Victor, and in this episode, I'm joined by Katya to talk a bit about the organization that she works for now, Ecoactive, and the programs that they offer. Welcome back to the show, Katya. Hello, Victor. It's great to be back. So you work for a charity called Ecoactive, but first, let's talk a little bit more about your background as an educator. So what would you say were some experiences that helped to get you interested in nature? I think like most people who are passionate about nature, I got passionate about nature through connecting to it since I was a little child. I grew up in a small village in central Italy in the middle of a national park. And both sides of my family, from my dad and my mom, um, they have all been farmers for generations. So two of my grandparents have a a small farm. Um, The other ones have kitchen gardens since ever. So I would spend my Sundays, my holidays, my afternoons just in nature, seeing what my grandparents would do and following them and the, and the chickens in the field. And I remember my afternoons spent just walking around in gardens and collecting flowers for my grandma or building things. And I guess it's that connection, direct connection with nature that really um, made me feel part of it and then I rediscovered this later on in my university years when I started joining some environmental uh, protection volunteer projects and and then lately I decided that um, with education being one of my passion but the ecological crisis being one of the urgent challenges we have to face I decided to do something about it and so I decided to go into environmental education and trying to improve things and make an impact. So when you think back to those earlier experiences um, on the farm and in the national park, when you remember those times, what was the role of um, the adults in your life in terms of getting you interested in nature? I think it was crucial because um, for me as a child in a small town uh, in a quite rural area, it wasn't difficult to find nature around. So I would just go outside and back in time, it was pretty normal to spend your afternoon outside. Uh, We didn't have so much technology. We didn't have mobile phones or computers yet when I was uh, 10 or 12. But the fact that I knew my grandpa or my uncle would go to the garden or would have a walk with me outside um, was also what what pushed me even more to go with them and to learn things. And I remember the joy of really walking with them and, and doing these things and craft and collecting things, natural materials. And also, like there's a, I think there was a very strong sensory element of... Um, I really enjoyed being in the sun and in the colors of nature because I have the strong memories of everything being colored and, and all the colors of the flowers and the green. And in fact, my green became like my favorite colors by <laughs> no mistake. So yes, the, the adults were very important because um, they lived, um, they experienced nature as uh, a routine, as being part of the daily routine and I think I internalized a sense of, you know, being outside, being in the outdoors was just simply part of the day. So were the adults a really 
like active part of those experiences or were you were you kind of following them around just watching what they did were they taking you on walks or did you go with them on walks if you see what i mean yeah yeah i don't think they were particularly proactive or they had any intention to transmit me any knowledge or it was just their routine really um and i was a very curious child so i would maybe ask questions but it's not that my grandpa would explain me how the tomato uh, grows or so but it's just a, a very natural um company to to spend time with i would then do my things you know i would just find my sticks or play with the with the mud or whatever next to them and i think it's that which is something i i think forest school is is very familiar with now that idea of the adults like being next to you but not really telling you what you meant to do in nature and i think i experienced exactly that sense of freedom of just being safe because my grandpa was next to me and he was enjoying what he was doing so that I, I i could see his approach to nature it was work you know he was gardening and making growing vegetables for us but it was just a, a, a nice thing he had in fact he would be singing and having breaks sitting down and then singing to the birds so that positive experience that he had without imposing on me any particular knowledge i think is exactly what i uh, indirectly, unconsciously um, internalized. And now you work for Ecoactive. Could you tell us a little bit more about Ecoactive and what they do? So Ecoactive is a charity based in London and um, it's an environmental education charity. So we run projects with schools and local communities around uh, education to sustainability, outdoor learning, community gardening and so on. And we are both funded by receiving different grants or we also offer fee-paying sessions and anyone can book. And all we do is educating uh, young people, adults, uh, children around uh, ecological problems and what we can do to address them and how to take action to look after nature and the environment. And we generally go into schools, so we bring our sessions in the schools, or we bring children outside, for example, with forest school programs, and we community gardens, we work with uh, local communities, and, and we help uh, local groups run their own gardens. Does Ecoactive have like an outdoor space of their own, or are all of your programs using these other spaces? Yes, yeah, so we go into other spaces. We don't have our own, but we bring our expertise and our um, our sessions to the schools or to well, depending on where we are, to the community gardens, for example. That that's that's one of the programs we run at the moment. Um, it's uh, different from other venues that run environmental education, where typically schools travel to them. Um, and the idea is exactly to try to bring these experience into schools and bring nature inside the school. I can imagine that that can help a school build up confidence in using their outdoor spaces so that they make more frequent use of them. 
Yes, definitely. So, for example, if uh, if we run forest school programs, we always prefer to take children outside the school or outside the school ground and maybe use uh, local green spaces simply because it's great to give the children the, the possibility to experience um, the green outside the school context, which is less linked to school rules and limitations and obligations, and also to give their confidence with their local space, with, with the neighborhood where they belong. Uh, but if if the school has a, a very good school ground and, and green space, we also use we can also use their ground and obviously that can be a good chance for, for them to use it or to improve it. So what would you say is the most popular program that Ecoactive offers? So I personally think that Forest School is one of the most popular programs we run um, because children urgently need to reconnect with nature and especially because we tend to give priority to children who might have some special needs or might have less access to green spaces due to home situations or uh, where they live or maybe they might have they might need more support in developing certain skills like self-esteem or social skills and so on so these programs are really popular for the children because they love it they just love to go outside and play free (laughs) which uh, funny enough is something they don't do enough nowadays Um, but it's also popular among the schools because schools are progressively recognizing how much they're missing um, that time of connection to nature and how much the children benefit from it from many points of view, including also their performance in school, which is not really our main objective, but it also helps children then doing better in school when they spend more time outside. So that is one. But also in our programs where we teach sustainability in schools through workshops, we have a very experiential and practical approach. So when we run lessons we tend to dedicate as much time as we can to practical activities that can give a an experiential approach to the content that we teach two of the most popular sessions that we run are one session about food waste and compost Um, so this usually might belong to a bigger project where we touch different topics including waste, uh, waste reduction and recycling and so on. This session about food waste is um, a very funny one because we bring our own worms and mini beast in school so we we take them from our wormeries in the office and we bring them to the children so that they can look at them uh, observe and you know with their magnifying glasses behave like scientists and learn facts about worms and you can imagine what happens in a classroom where we open up the boxes with all the worms moving and suddenly everyone screams and then once they go beyond their first reaction of could be disgust or even fear, then they just love it. They spend so much time just looking at them and talking with each other and and learning what they do and commenting. And sometimes we have children who ask us to keep the worms and keep them with them as pets. (laughs) 
And um, we also make seed bombs with clay uh, soil and um, wildflower seeds. And then if the school has a, a green space, we bring children outside and they can throw the seed bombs outside. And I don't know if you know where they are, but um, they, they will dry. And at some point when it rains in spring, the seeds will sprout and there will be wildflowers. And this is also a way to create more wild habitats for bees, pollinators and insects. And the fact that they can make the balls in the workshop and throw it out and maybe hopefully they will see their own flowers growing in the next season is a way for them to understand how, what we can do in urban spaces to, to facilitate wildlife. And, and also they have fun making it. It's like baking biscuits. <laughs> so. Um, so can you tell me a bit more about the the food waste program and the waste reduction? Are, are those one-off sessions or are those sessions where you um, go back to the school multiple times? It can be both. So we mostly, we've mostly run them as part of longer programs. We, um, we received funding in the past for waste education programs uh, where we would go and touch on different topics, which could be food waste, uh, dry recycling, textile, um, or it could be part of uh, an even wider project. It could be that we also talk about air pollution or um, we talk about being change agents and usually those programs are funded by local authorities um, and we stretch them throughout a term or a couple of months uh, depending on what the project is uh, but it can also be one-off sessions usually we always try to avoid one-off sessions not because they are not um, valuable but because obviously the impact that you can have with repeating and with a progressive longer time is much bigger as you will probably know with these sort of termly or several month long programs, could you walk me through what the progression of sessions would look like? So I can tell you what we have done in the past. So, um, for example, when we ran waste education programs, we would um, start introducing the topic. So talking about waste and what's the impact on our environment how much waste we produce and so on. And then we would go back every couple of weeks or so and um, try to focus the session on activities, making activities that could bring solutions in the school. So the aim of those programs are that not only children learn about the content, but that also they can take action. So our workshops are particularly solution-based and action-based so the children are called to think of ideas and to put them in practice in their school environment so in my in one program i ran last year for example we would go every two weeks um, learning about different topics related to waste and then each time um, we will work on action planning so that the students could put in place solutions together with the, the school staff and then slowly progress into an, um, a, an improvement within the school environment and the thing that I enjoyed the most there was really 
having the possibility to see an impact throughout the time because it's uh, it's easy to simply teach theoretical knowledge about you know climate change or environmental problems but then the difficult part is okay but okay we know about the problem we can think of some solutions how can we put it in practice and that long-term process is what allows it to see a more practical result because you can facilitate throughout the time and there is more more response um, so yeah we would work on action planning and as i said we try to introduce as practical activities as we can because experiential learning is the most effective way to remember things and to be motivated to act on it so you'll go into a school, do a lesson about some aspect of waste or pollution, and then the students will come up with ideas and an action plan. And then in subsequent visits, you go in and help them to further develop their action plan or like think of ways to implement the action plan. Is that right? Yes. So this is what this particular program uh, was meant to do. So how do you teach the kids how to put together an action plan? Because that's something that I think you're right. A lot of environmental education organizations, you know, we will cover kind of the topic, but we don't usually then do a, a lesson on like, how do you put together an action plan? How do you start taking action? So I think there needs to be a bit of um, introduction to action planning because it's as you say, it's not difficult to talk about a topic, but then it's 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 very difficult to actually think of solutions to a problem when a problem is presented, especially if we talk about environmental problems and we know how uh, overwhelming um, the climate problem is and how it is presented. So what we try to do in our sessions is presenting already solutions and inspiring examples um, already within the problem so we we try to uh, approach the topics with a very solution-based approach which means that we already give students um, some ideas of what people are doing out there what exists rather than focusing too much on on the problems and, and on what is not working and this already creates a mindset where uh, people are much more motivated and more hopeful because obviously if we don't give them hope, we don't empower them to think of actions that they can take. So first of all, they can feel like whatever they do has an impact and matters. And once they feel empowered, they can also think of what, what it is that you can do in your, even very small, that you can do in your daily routine or in a bigger scale that can help with this problem. And then practically, we simply use an action planning table with the different steps, you know, or which goes through from um, thinking of a problem that you would like to address, uh, what the obstacles are to address the problem, what action you need to take step by step to solve it, and which people you have to talk to or involve and who is going to be responsible for it. So once you have that plan, which is also a help, uh, a helpful tool mentally to just break it down, you just need to do the practical things. So let's say you need to speak to your head teacher to put recycling bins in the classrooms. 
and that's what you're going to write on your actions and that's what you're going to do. So it's breaking it down into small, well, like we say in forest school, small achievable steps, and but especially giving them the feeling of empowerment and of um, legitimation that they can feel as what they do matters, they are listened to, and uh, there are already a lot of people doing a lot of great things out there. And even if the problems we're trying to solve are very big, we can do it. We can do it together. We are already doing, and it will make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely see how starting with an example helps to give kids that sense that they're they're not alone. Like, oh, it's not. It wouldn't be just me doing something. These other people are also doing, like taking action. Um, and I also like the breaking it down into achievable steps. The first thing I think of when I think of uh, presenting a problem to kids and them coming up with a solution is very often they'll come up with these, you know, really big sweeping things like uh, how can we deal with air pollution? And kids would be like, oh, just get rid of cars and and airplanes. But those are that would be a solution, but it comes with a lot of problems. So breaking it down into smaller achievable steps means that they can actually take action on it like what is a kid or a class going to do about getting rid of all the cars you know that's that's not actually achievable yes and also you're right those those problems we talk about are very very big um and of course it and it might seem like it's it's very far from them and yes i completely agree that many times they come up with this um very comprehensive answers such as uh let's stop flying <laughs> or let's just not have plastic anymore because there's plastic pollution um but the the point of uh also experiencing those problems and also um talking about what, what exists out there already is to try to transmit the complexity of, of the problems right and if you go down to a small scale thinking of your own life and and we always try to bring them down to earth in terms of what can you do with your family with your parents with your friends then it also helps them to redimension the problems and making it closer to them and actually think of themselves as an active character in that story whereas you know answers like let's get rid of plastic doesn't involve you necessarily because you know who is responsible for it who is the entity who will get rid of plastic so yeah bringing it down to small steps which can be relatable to their life is very very important what is your favorite program to run with ecoactive so it's not an easy question because I love doing everything, especially in the diversity of the programs that we deliver. Um, I'm a forest school leader and I really love bringing the children outside. I'm not a big fan of very cold, rainy afternoons in December being outside, but I see the enormous benefit of that. But I love doing it because I I can just see how incredibly beneficial it is to give the children this uh, wonderful chance of just being in the outdoors and experiencing uh, an a learning environment without a sense of imposition and obligations that children feel in school. So I love forest school for that. But I also really like uh, delivering 
more focus sustainability education workshops and bring those experiences within the school, especially if we have the chance to run um, a longer program where we talk about the different topics. Um, because I think one of the best ways to announce the transition to a sustainable future is starting from from local communities, right? And the school, uh, each school is a community. And if you can start in the school, then you will have a domino effect also in the families and in the wider community around the school. And so being able to help a school to become more sustainable, starting from, from small, you know, it can be simple things like really having recycling bins because many schools don't even have that yet. And then going into maybe switching energy provider or running a garden within the ground or so on. If you can do that and, and help the school in that transition then you will also see an impact on all the people living around the school so i really love um, delivering um, sustainability workshops in schools as well and also because i love teaching and being in touch with the kids it's just amazing <laughs> yeah can you talk to me a bit more about the difference between the four school sessions that you do so forest school sessions, um, first of all, they are long-term programs. So we, they are at least 12 weeks long and we go outside. So we take the same group of children every week uh, at the same time, the same day outside in a green space and we spend time outdoors. Whereas the other programs and the other workshops we run, we would normally be indoor. And we, it would run as a normal lesson during lesson hours. Um, so the main difference is that in one case we are outside and in the other we are in the school. And then obviously the whole difference uh, comes from what forest school is, which is outdoor learning with um, a very specific approach and different objectives to the objectives we would have with sustainability workshops. So how formal are the forest school sessions? Because I'm not a forest school practitioner, but my sense is that they tend to be much less formal and they might not have those specific um, curriculum learning goals. They tend to focus on like the soft skills. So um, and in the curriculum, those skills are in there, but tend to not be as much the focus. So for instance, in science, there's the difference between the content learning goals and then the like working scientifically uh, and my sense is that forest school is about is a bit more about that side of it the practicalities of doing things yes absolutely so yeah it's a bit as if forest school can offer the free space um, that children do not experience in school because they are so tied into performance measurements and rules no so we um, our own programs until now has been particularly um, aimed to help with uh, building skills such as self-esteem, social skills, confidence, uh, relationships, um, skills and also motivation to learn. Um, that means that our sessions are very informal because rather than asking the children to simply comply with a system of, of rules or tasks to do. 
they can experience a whole different environment where they are free to choose what to do, what to learn without imposition. Um, and that's the main difference between forest school and, and, and school environments, that the children choose what they want to do. They decide for themselves. They take responsibility for their choices. They help delivering the session because they decide what's going to be in the session. We, we have the responsibility to keep it safe and to facilitate uh, that process. But the child decides how to lead his own learning process. And learning in, 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 in this specific context is particularly focused on, on the soft skills you were mentioning, um, which should naturally be uh, announced in school, right? But uh, we know that it's, it's often not the case because in school we don't really address how to teach emotional intelligence or empathy or teamwork skills or simply um, helping children to develop their sense of confidence and self-esteem is um, is pre it needs to pre-exist to any learning process but in school we don't tend to really address that and so forest school offers that informal environment where a child is meant to feel safe because the adults are around but the adults don't tell him what to do and he can experience himself um, what's best for himself and and be his own leader in what he wants to learn and how and so there's a lot of free play for this reason we we give them plenty of time to explore nature invent their own games uh, making craft hands-on um using tools, um, playing with whatever natural element exists and in order for them to just be the owners of their own learning process. So what is the role of the adults in a, a forest school session? So what, what do you do in a forest school session as the leader or the facilitator? A leader will lead the group, uh, meaning that it will, you know, start a session um, give out a bit of a structure um, and usually a forest school session starts with a circle time where we uh, meet each other and we share not only we learn our names and this obviously happens at the beginning and if the group uh, is not um, it could be a mix of children who don't know each other for example and we try to understand what safety rules we need to keep in mind because we are in the outdoors so especially in our case we go in public parks to run uh, for a school which means that is a public place where you know there are any, anyone can be there there are dogs around people so we need to establish some safety rules and the children can come up with the rules together with us so we try not to impose them um, because, you know, children are very clever and they know what they need to do to feel safe. And if a rule is not imposed, it doesn't come top down, but is generated by themselves, then they are much more likely to respect it. And then once we have done this introductory circle, we just um, let them go off and play and they can do whatever they want within the safety boundaries. And we generally offer... Uh, one, two, or three different activities uh, bringing the resources that they can do or not do, depending on what they want. 
and we just help them with these activities. Let's say we play with clay, we can make clay sculptures, or we can um, explore the environment, we can hug a tree, we can uh, make uh, a journey stick, we can make um, craft or team games, whatever it is that we feel uh, the group um, has expressed interest in. And so the facilitator will help them with whatever they need support with without forcing it, without being too intrusive. Because, you know, children have their own pace. They they need time. If they ask for help, we help them. If um, we play with them a lot, <laughs> like... <laughs> I played hide and seek just uh, before Christmas and it was ages since I played the last time. I had so much fun. And then um, obviously the leader has the the safety responsibility in case something happens. So we are all first aid trained. And at the end of the session, we will call them back and we will rebuild the circle at the end and we share what we have done what we liked and what we would like to do next time um, this is a very important part because we build the program based on what the children uh, prefer so it's a bit of uh, observation and ad- adaptation ongoing work session session because we need we want to adjust the program to what the children need and prefer so a leader is somebody who needs to be able to adapt the delivery to the group to the specific needs of the group so it's it's a facilitator role in a sense that you are there and so they can feel safe because you're there reliable but you're not invasive uh, in their own pace and um, in their own narrative of learning that they choose themselves. This type of approach is uh, is exactly what a child needs to feel confident, uh, rather than being told what to do or how to do something or how to solve a problem. A child has to go through it by himself, and only if he really struggles and he asks for help, then we offer help. But the, the achievement is where where the child does something alone and is able to problem solve and then will feel very good about himself. And this is one way through which we can enhance self-esteem, for example. And I can see it really helping kids develop positive relationships to adults because because it is a very different relationship from from the the normal teacher relationship and and I could see kids who might struggle with authority might learn how to have positive relationships with adults through a four school program. Yes, yes, definitely. I think so. It's I think it's easier for forest school practitioners to to establish that relationship in a sense um because we don't have all the targets to meet that teachers are stressed about, right? Uh, of course, it's it's difficult for a teacher to give that freedom in a school environment because there are so many things to be aware of and to be uh, accountable for. In some ways, it's unfortunate that the types of skills that tend to be fostered in forest schools, you know, all those soft skills, those are not what kids are graded, assessed tested on in coursework or in exams, you know, that's just not the focus of the normal mainstream education system. 
So when would a teacher book a forest school session versus one of the other sessions that might cover um, curriculum content? What's the benefit of having uh, a forest school session for for your class? I guess it depends on the um, objectives and the needs uh, um, that they have. If they are looking at um, covering content and giving students the understanding of sustainability problems like the climate crisis, uh, they would go for a workshop around those specific topics. Um, But if they want to focus more on reconnecting to nature and giving the children a safe space to be themselves without the oppression that sometimes school represents for, for children, then they will go for, for forest school. Obviously, it's it's different because forest school needs to be a long-term project. Uh, it can't be a one-off because the impact of that type of learning is seen only throughout a, a longer period. Uh, so they need to have that availability. It's, it's two sides of the same coin, in my opinion. In one side, um, you learn about environmental problems and um, you come up with practical ideas to solve them. In the other case, you reconnect to nature. So it has an emotional element. And it's it's both things that we need, isn't it? We can't uh, inspire young people to take action to protect our environment if they don't feel any emotional connection to it. So forest school gives us that chance to connect. So a, a teacher who might feel really confident in the content, they might want to book um, a forest school session to help them support their class in developing that emotional connection, as you said, to the environment so that when it comes to the content, the kids see why the content matters. Whereas on the other hand, if you've got a teacher with a class who cares a lot about the environment already, they already have positive relationships, then they might book one of the content sessions to build on and, and take action on those that emotional connection. Yes, correct. I think that's the right way to see it. So I think we've already touched on it, but um, the last question I've got for you is what do you th- feel is the most effective program that Ecoactive offers in terms of fostering pro-environmental attitudes or, you know, positive relationships with the natural world? So, yeah, I will probably be repeating myself here, but I think um, both types of delivery that we offer, one being forest school and, and reconnection to nature and the other one being sustainability workshops and so more content-based they're both very effective and obviously it depends on on what objectives a school or a teacher has but what i would like to stress is especially the approach that we use in in those programs because what we try to do is very experiential so even when we run workshops in school we try to bring practical activities or practical scenarios that through that direct experience that we can generate meaningful learning, but also empower them to take action. And I want to just mention an example of a a sustainability workshop that we run, which is very, very effective to promote pro-environmental behavior, or at least that's what we observed. Um, it is a workshop on recycling and even though we know now that recycling is not the 
made the best practice we want to promote because we want to reduce, we want to rather promote being zero waste and recycling. But as you can imagine, recycling is a much easier concept to remember for children. So they, they are all very familiar with what recycling means and they do it at home. It, it's easier to understand. And so when we run a recycling workshop, we make recycled paper in class. Um, so we reproduce on a small scale what a recycling factory would do with paper. So they can experience firsthand, literally, going from old paper in the bin, shredding it, melting it down with a shredder with uh, in a pulp with water, and then we go through, we use some frames and some nets, and we make small squares of recycled paper, which will dry in a couple of days, and they can use them to write on it. So that whole experience of making recycled paper, first of all, is so much fun. They have so much fun making it. But it's so memorable. They remember after years. And I, I remember going back into schools and hearing maybe two years later, children from an older class telling me, oh, I remember we made paper with Ecoacti two years ago. Um, and so they will help them. That experience will, will help them, I think, very much in remembering what's good to do. Uh, for the environment because they had that strong connect, emotional connection in, in making it. In general, making experience and inspiring children and young people, making them feel empowered and hopeful and as if they matter with whatever small action they take is probably what makes our programs uh, very effective, I think. Thanks very much, Katia. There's some really excellent ideas and, and practice that you've shared with us there. So th thank you again for talking to us about um, yourself and about Ecoactive. Thank you so much for having us, Victor. It was a pleasure. For full notes on everything that we've talked about in this show uh, and links to Ecoactive and their programs, if you want to find out more, you can check out the full show notes, which you can find at knowingnaturepodcast.wordpress.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at KN underscore podcast, where I retweet links to useful environmental education and educational resources. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening.